Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, as Trey said in our pre-show meeting, it's slog through Saturday. We've got champions who just need to win this weekend, and we're ready to break it all down right here on The Three Technique. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. And welcome into the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmys and the Joes. Along with Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason, hastily trying to schedule an interview right after we get off of this here podcast. Uh, fellas, it is November, and with November, we get fall foliage, we get falling temperatures. The Big Ten West, we get all the unders caching, as uh, Trey just outlined in our ledger segment over on YouTube. And this is a fun week uh, to sit back in the Barca lounger, uh, unless you're Garrett, who's traveling, and uh, just watch some amazing matchups. I mean, we have several top 20 matchups on hand for this week. All of them have obvious playoff implications. We're going to break all of those down in due time. But uh, guys, uh, as we turn the page into November, we, we plan the Thanksgiving menu what are you guys most looking forward to for the next month or so? Ooh, on the food menu, like this is like my favorite holiday. I borderline Same. like Thanksgiving more than more than Christmas. But own it, man. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I I'm a stuffing guy, dressing guy, whatever you want to call it, and I'm very picky about it. I've even you know stepped up to make it for my family the last couple of years just because I have a very particular way that I was raised with it. Don't give me the oysters. Don't give me the overloaded, you know, onions or anything like that. Got to have real cornbread, not that box stuff that you find at the store. Like I'm very sure. particular about my stuffing and I'll make it. It's very, very good when I make it. So very excited for the fruits of my labor with that. Guys, I guess we're going to go three for three on that. I'm I'm a Thanksgiving guy too. I'm, I'm big on sure. that. Look, Thanksgiving menu is always big. My mom's like the best cook in the world. And so I always get to look forward to that. She's got this family recipe that's been passed down now for this corn casserole. She makes it for like big holidays only. So 
looking forward to the yearly return of the corn casserole. And I mean, obviously got to have the turkey, got to have the turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if the Cajun fried turkey tradition is going to survive the, uh, the, uh, the engagement uh, with the bride to be. Um, yes. Congratulations. By the way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Made, made that happen last weekend. That's why I wasn't on the live show. Um, but yeah. Um, thank you. Really thrilled about that. Um, maybe not so thrilled about the disappearance of the Cajun fried turkey. Uh, back to, <laughs> back to the important things. You got to make uh, sacrifices, I guess. In Iowa, right? Am I mistaken? Well, well, we're doing we're doing uh, Thanksgiving here. We'll do Christmas there. But my dad and I fry our own turkey. Um, we get you know ye olde pot and, and just lather that bad boy up with Cajun butter and uh, and dunker for you know twenty minutes or so. It's a great time. Uh, but that is against all like FDA health code regulations. I'm sure, and in no way healthy. And so uh, we may have to do a more and traditional that's why option. We do it. <laughs> that's right pro set mitch two turkeys two turkeys. well so that we we typically do two turkeys so i'm i'm hoping that you there's your smoker you get your turkey yep. fryer yep. or the uh the big easy have you seen these things They're, it's like a giant air fryer for your turkey so that's... come for the football stay for the uh thanksgiving cooking tips that's that's right uh yeah send uh send us your favorite thanksgiving recipes of course uh if you're over on a social media at three tech pod, you can follow us, Instagram, Twitter, X, whatever you call it nowadays. We're technically on threads, but nobody does anything on threads. So just hit us up on Instagram and Twitter. Also over on YouTube, uh, you can find our ledger segment, which is a YouTube exclusive. You can find our shorts, uh, which have been extremely popular. Also guys, we hit 400 subscribers over on YouTube. So thank you to the Jimmy's and the Joe's continue to hit the subscribe button, share us with your friends, uh, we're three buddies talking ball, and uh, we really love to make it entertaining, love to make it unique, and we love to work you into the show, whether that's a live show on Saturday nights, whether it's your questions in the previews, find a way to get in contact with us. We'll work you into the show. Uh, this feels about right to uh, to pay the bills as well. Thanks to our friends over at the Transfer Portal CFB. Trey, thank you for writing the the, uh, the article. I think maybe the last two weeks yeah. you've been putting pen to paper, doing an excellent job. We write a weekly column. Uh, over there to recap your headlines and then uh garrett hit the hit the button our friends over at homefieldapparel.com they're dropping bomber jackets right now just in time for the chilly weather it's about to get cold down here in the south as well so head on over at homefieldapparel.com three tech pod gets you 15 percent off your entire order gentlemen with that last week we debuted a new show segment pre-snap notion to kick things off trey you you lowered the boom of reality with Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M and a reason why the Aggies and it played just, out perfectly on Saturday. Just because. so dang passive, man. And it did. <laughs> it absolutely did. Um, I turned that game off before I went to go get engaged. So I wouldn't have any negative, no negative vibes, no disappointment heading into the happiest moment of my life to this point. I will say when I got back and saw that they had lost, I wasn't surprised, but Gentlemen, this week I was in the lab a little bit and cooked up this notion for your review. I want to play out a scenario for you. And my thesis statement is that Texas, contrary to what many may think, is going to get left out of the college football playoff 
by the committee if the following sequence happens. Oregon beats Washington in the championship game. Michigan goes undefeated. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Georgia gets the SEC championship game undefeated. They can lose to whoever comes out of the West. They just have to make it to Atlanta 12-0, and Florida State runs the table. Now, you may wonder, okay, that sounds reasonable, but the second part of my thesis isn't because Texas didn't have something on the field, didn't prove something. It's because their losses to Oklahoma that suddenly looks a whole lot more unimpressive after a two-game losing streak and, surprise, surprise, a tough game against West Virginia on tap. Texas getting left out of the college football playoff because of their loss would maybe be the most infuriating thing to happen to Texas since Colt McCoy got hurt in the national championship game. Hot, cold, reasonable, unreasonable. I invite your thoughts. Well, Garrett and I kind of discussed this a little bit. Uh, We didn't get too deep into it on the Sunday show, but I'm with you on that. I I think if this scenario plays out exactly, the only kicker to me is what happens i don't think the sec champion gets left out absolutely so you know swap in if you don't think the sec gets two in if georgia loses the championship then swap in georgia for alabama right but yeah i'm i'm with you i don't think that texas has done enough outside of the win against alabama to say that they should be in over in oregon or over an undefeated florida state or over you know, maybe even in Ohio State that the committee seems to love, even if Ohio State does what they do last year and lose to Michigan and miss out on the Big Ten championship game. Yeah. It's a tough road out of the Big 12. I mean, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but I think only one time have we seen a one-loss Big 12 champion make the playoff, correct? Maybe twice with Oklahoma, but it doesn't happen all that often. It is a tough road. There's a razor-thin margin for error out of the Big 12. It's one of the reasons why Texas and Oklahoma are moving to the SEC. But they could very well be the odd man out. They would have to be very, very impressive in their stretch run here. They're not going to get a lot of credit for beating TCU, uh, Iowa State, and Texas Tech. They have to be very impressive in those three games, win by a lot of points, and put on a very big performance against Oklahoma State if all this uh, plays out just to sneak in, in my mind. So I guess, Mitch, in this situation, we're assuming, because we got to kind of map it out, right? We're assuming this is Michigan and Florida State at the top. That would be the assumption if they both run the table, they go undefeated, they win their conferences, they got to be one, two. Um, And then I guess we're saying, I guess it depends on what happens in the SEC championship game for me on this situation. So if Georgia wins, I think this is where things get interesting. If Georgia loses, they're not going to get left out. It'll be... You know, I guess we're assuming Bama and Georgia. They're the third or the you can, seed, right? Yeah, or you could argue for Oregon if you really wanted to. But I think the leaving Oregon in play is really where it gets to be the the concern. Because if Georgia wins and you're talking about one loss conference champion Oregon or one loss conference champion Texas, this is really just a who does the media love more for ratings fest? Because let's be real, this is still a business. And no matter what the committee really wants to do, they're going to try to put ratings on the table. And, and I, I just have a hard time believing that they're going to leave Texas off for what that would mean for the ratings, what that would mean for everything else. They'll find a way to say that Oregon's loss was, you know, uglier somehow than Texas's loss to Oklahoma. And 
well, but Texas has a signature win over Alabama. And look, that's an Alabama that made the championship game and, you know, or, or possibly won it or whatever. So I just, I, I have a hard time believing that they're going to leave Texas out, whether it's deserved or not. I just have a hard time believing the committee will leave Texas off completely if this scenario plays out where Georgia would win the SEC championship game. For me, I think where this borders on a hot take is because strength of schedule is clearly one metric that the committee values, right, uh, with Ohio State. That is the only, literally the only explanation why Ohio State is the top team in the country. Um, although that soundbite that the commissioner had to give or the, the chairman had to give about a top 20 Rutgers defense was was just chef's kiss. I mean, when have we ever heard that? Um, but Texas has a top 10 strength of schedule. Uh, according to the metrics that I looked up, Oregon is, is coasting in at 61st. Now, Oregon's wins to me and the eye test will be infinitely more impressive than Texas's wins uh if all else holds. Now Texas, you know, will have to beat maybe Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. That second seat has gotten a lot a lot warmer. Um we're not exactly sure who's going to end up anchoring that in Arlington, but for me, metrics aside, I, I look at Oregon and I am so much more impressed with Oregon than I am a Texas team. To me, this is not even not even close, given the scenario I've outlined. Plus, Ohio State with one loss, uh, Trey, as you mentioned, they've gotten in before without having to go to the Big Ten Championship game. They'd be lurking around that four, five, six seeding with one loss to Michigan. I don't even know if the committee bumps Ohio State out of the top four with the loss to Michigan, as long as they don't get blown out. Yeah, and there's just too many teams for Texas to jump at this yeah. point, right? Like, I think... What what we're what we haven't mentioned yet is they would have to jump Oregon, and to do that yep. they're going to have to be more impressive than Oregon down the stretch. So winning your conference and looking more impressive, like you said, Mitch, they just haven't done that to this point this year. Oregon has looked way better on the eyeball test, and I don't know how much of Texas' strength of schedule is actually getting propped up by the fact that their buy games out of conference have turned out to be decent. The Rice, the Wyoming, I'm sure that's not all of it, but I mean. We're going to, if we're comparing, you know, apples to apples here, like, does it really matter that Texas beat Rice instead of Portland State? Not really, right? Like, we're, right. we're comparing the top wins. So, I don't, again, not a math major, don't know how that's factored in, <laughs> but uh, that, that could be something that the committee looks at as well. I will say one more thing. I think that this will entirely depend on how Oregon looks down the stretch, whether it's fair or not. If they beat USC by like three this weekend, I don't think that goes a long way in helping them. Not that's and not, Texas that's beats TCU by twenty, though. Right? right. Yeah. Like if if I, Texas goes out the rest of the schedule and they just beat the crap out of everybody on the way out, and you know they go play Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve Championship game and they beat them by twenty points or something like that, and then Oregon kind of barely beats USC, just crawls past Oregon State. You know, maybe they play Washington in the in the finale and they just barely come out on top of that one. I don't know how much that goes in their favor. I think we could be looking at a you know TCU Baylor situation from a few years back where it's two teams that look really, really good with Oregon and Washington, but you know, they're gonna get left out because this other team looked more dominant and then just jumps them on the very last day. So it, it kind of depends on how Oregon looks, I think, on the way out. 
Well, let us know your thoughts. Uh, does Texas make it in to the college football playoff? All else equal? Do they get left out? Where would you rank the Longhorns in your college football playoff? Again, at 3TechPod, let us know. Respond in the comments to the YouTube channel. We'll get back to you. Love to continue to have this discussion with you. Let's go to our big three, gentlemen. Uh, and we have got maybe the most loaded slate so far uh, as far as ranked matchups, uh, playoff implications in our big three. I left a couple of really good ones out. We'll get to later on down the line. But without a doubt, our number one game this week, a lot of number one games around the country, will be number three, Michigan, and uh, number 11, Penn State. This is by far the most important game to me on the weekend because of what the committee has told us about Ohio State. Guys, all three of us unanimously agree that Michigan should be the better team, should be favored. We've talked about Michigan being the best team in the country over Georgia. Never once have we had a discussion over Michigan State, or I'm sorry, not not over Michigan State, over Michigan. They're also being, not the best team in the country. <laughs> being the best yeah, team I'm to go over to Ohio State. On that one. No, the East Lansing has not been accused of being a penultimate team in quite some time. Uh, this is a five-and-a-half-point spread in favor of the Wolverines. They do have to go to Happy Valley. It's the big noon kickoff on Fox. Guys, before this season started, I looked into this camera, and I told you Penn State was going to do it this year. They got Michigan at home. Last year was ugly. It was two black eyes on James Franklin and the Penn State program, but th this year was going to be different that Penn State was going to use this game to ride to victory a Big Ten East title, a Big Ten championship appearance, and a college football playoff appearance. And I could not backpedal out of that take any faster than I am right now. Penn State had a chance to go to Ohio State to upset them, to take the bull by the horns, and they didn't do it. And I'm afraid that Jim, uh, almost said Jimbo Fisher, Freudian, <laughs> Freudian slip, that James Franklin is going to be a day late and a dollar short. What's one of the most difference? talented rosters he's ever had, right? It's a freshman quarterback in Drew Aller. We can talk about that. But this defense is loaded. And yet, I still feel like Penn State is absolutely going to waste this opportunity. I think Michigan is the clear-cut favorite here. I'd love to to dive into the X's and O's with you guys. And Garrett, let's start with you. You're the Michigan homer here, the Michigan backer. Uh, without a doubt, all eyes will be on this running game and what Penn State's rushing defense didn't do last year. Yeah, I mean, last year, Penn State's running defense basically gave up everything that Michigan wanted. Michigan was able to run for, what was it, 418? They just they did whatever they like wanted that, to yeah. on the ground. It's ridiculous. And so... Um, no team should be able to run that way. If you're going to claim that you're a top team, if you're going to give that up, that's on you. Um, this year, they're maybe not quite as prolific at stopping the run. Michigan's maybe slightly better, but they're also more balanced on offense. They're just a little bit more balanced. They can throw the ball now, um, should make the safeties back up, should keep them off balance. I don't know that they run for as much in this game, just out of necessity. Roman Wilson has been a, a revelation for these guys. Um, really, really excited to see kind of what he can do as this season comes to a close with some of these big games on the slate. Um, but look, this is a is a really, really good Michigan team. It's a really good Michigan offense. And when you compare it to the flip side, they don't have to be perfect because I don't think this Penn State offense is very good at all. I don't think this Penn State offense can do very much to to keep up with Michigan. So 
let's say that they get held down a little bit in the first and second quarter is just because of how good the defense is for Penn State, that's probably fine because Michigan's style of football, as it's been for the last couple of years, is just to lean on you and to lean on you a little bit more and to wear you down and to kick that field goal on the first drive and then to, you know, barely get that touchdown on the second drive and then to play some field position, take advantage of a turnover, and then eventually just wear you down as a team. And I think that's the model for Michigan this time around too. I think this is just wear down Penn State. It's going to be harder because Penn State's a better team than most of the teams they've played so far. But I think that's still on the table this time with a much more balanced attack uh, on the offensive side of the football. Trey, on the flip side, if Penn State is going to have a chance to disrupt J.J. McCarthy, this Michigan offense, quietly, J.J. McCarthy's having a fantastic season, 2,100 yards passing, 18 touchdowns, just three picks. But you got to feel like Penn State needs a boost. They need a shot in the arm. They need something to take this defense over the edge. There's a chance that they get one of their X factors back this week. Yeah, they need Chop Robinson back in the worst way because he's who makes this defense go. Obviously, injured against Ohio State and hasn't played since, and you've seen it on the field, right? We saw it against, you know, not directly where he would be, but just the defense doesn't look as cohesive as it did prior to his injury. We saw it against Indiana. We've seen it, uh, you know, multiple times since that Ohio State game. So getting Chop Robinson back would be huge. And guys, listen, the X factor to me in this game is can James Franklin finally win a big one, right? Like we we've been yeah. waiting so long for him to actually show it. He, he's, I, I looked up, he's four and 15 in his career at Penn state against Ohio state and Michigan Yikes. four and 15. And it feels like it's worse than that. Doesn't it? Like two of his wins against, I think he beat Michigan in the COVID year when Michigan was awful and not even really trying. And we're counting that for him. So, it like it, it it's an uphill battle for Penn State against Michigan and Ohio State. And I don't think they're that far off talent wise. You see the NFL draft results. Obviously, Ohio State and Michigan get a ton of NFL draft picks, but Penn State's not that far behind. And not far, that far behind in the recruiting rankings as well. So it comes down to coaching. It comes down to, you know, like I pointed out about Jimbo Fisher, I think James Franklin, ironically, with you know that Freudian slip earlier has a little bit of Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher in him in these big games because his teams seem to play more tight. His teams seem to play, you know, scared to not make a mistake. And that's what gets you beat in these big games. You have to play loose. You have to play, you know, with the confidence that you can win the game. And we just don't see that very often when Penn State plays against Ohio State and Michigan. We see it all the time when they have the talent advantage. But when they're down, when they are playing these big two in their division, we rarely see it. We haven't seen it in a couple of years. So yeah. if they can find that magic, I'm excited to see what Penn State can do. Maybe they've been holding Drew Aller back. Maybe they've been, you know, saving something for Michigan because they feel like they can strike while the iron's hot. It's at home <laughs> and they're not playing in Columbus this time. So it is an 11 a.m. kick, though. I know the fans are still going to be ready to go. So maybe that carries them through. But it, it's just hard to see the path from what we've seen from these two teams on the field for Penn State to win. I agree. Penn State's going to have to force turnovers, right? They're going to have to get McCarthy off his spot early. Which he hasn't um, done this year. No one's been able to do that. No, he's been so consistent. I'm really concerned about Will, what Will Johnson, this uh, defensive back 
group for Michigan is going to do against Drew Aller, who has not exactly lit the world on fire this year. He's been kind of a bus driver. I just don't know that you're going to be able to beat Michigan driving a bus at home or not. So as we move into our picks here, I mean, guys, listen, I, like I said, nobody was a bigger Penn State advocate than I was at the beginning of the season. Uh, but, you know, when we get to week, what are we in, week 12, uh, you've, you've got to – You've got to adjust accordingly, and nothing that I've seen from Penn State gives me the confidence to stick with that pick. I'm going to go Michigan minus the points here. Yeah, I'm right there with you, taking Michigan minus the five and a half. I think we see a similar story to last year. I called this slog through Saturday, not because I think the matchups are going to be a bore or anything like that. I think this will be a compelling game for the most part, but Michigan, you know, they're going on the road. They've just got to put their heads down, slog through the adversity that they're going to face. I think they're going to run for quite a few yards and lean on that run game. And they're going to pull away in the end, probably going by somewhere in the 10 to 17 range. Yeah, I've been pounding my fist on the table that Michigan's the best team in the country for a little while right now. I'm going to keep pounding my fist. Michigan minus five and a half. Big statement win. I think they know that they need this to be a statement, too, because they know that if they went out, they're going to be fine. But I mean, how many times has Michigan just not gotten the benefit of the doubt? Right. I think they know that they need this to jump in the in the rankings and to find that number one seed. So I'm going to keep pounding my fist. I'm going to keep saying the Michigan needs this. Watch for a big game, both in the run and the pass. Uh, I put that guy Roman Wilson on there. Watch him, too. He's had some really big games. So uh, watch this and uh, Michigan minus five and a half. Big, big, big spot for the Wolverines. Just uh, quickly. Yes or no. Michigan dominates Penn State on the road. Do they jump? Ohio State for the top team in the country. I know that would be going two spots, but do, would they jump Ohio State? Maybe if they beat them by more than Ohio State does. Maybe. Yeah, it depends um, how they do it. They got to look really good. Because I would argue that Ohio State dominated Penn State just in a different way. Um, yeah, if they, yeah, if they come out and just, you know, win by 20, 30 points and the offense moves the ball in a way that Ohio State couldn't, then possibly, especially for the TV show element, but. Um, it, it would have to be a pretty resounding victory. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, let's go to Athens, Georgia, guys. Let's look at between the hedges. We've got Georgia and Ole Miss, a top 10 matchup as Georgia takes on Ole Miss. This is a 6 o'clock game on ESPN. Guys, you look at the the stats and the rank, well, not the stats. You look at the rankings on paper, and you go, oh, this should be a good game Saturday. And then you start to look into the metrics, and I think Ole Miss is going to have to work to make this a competitive ball game. Georgia's favored by 11.5 right now, and as we dive into the X's and O's here, without a doubt, this is the last true test, I think, between Georgia and certainly Atlanta. All they need is one more win, and they clinch up the SEC East. But I think this is the last true test between Georgia and a playoff spot. Uh, Ole Miss may really be up against it uh, statistically. Trey, when you look at what both teams are averaging points per game and then what they're averaging as far as a key metric and third down conversions, I think you got to be really concerned if you're the Rebs. Yeah, it, you know, both teams are scoring a lot of points over 40 a game. So the offense is there for both teams, but defensively Georgia has a huge huge advantage in this game allowing only 15 points per game Ole Miss is 22 and Ole Miss you know against more 
potent competition has looked even, you know, allowed even more points. I'm thinking back to the LSU game. I know that they're going up against a Heisman contender quarterback, but they're allowing 49 points in a victory. They gave up 35 to an Aggie offense last week that was sputtering going into that game. And AM was running for nine, 10 yards of carry in the second half as they wore down that Ole Miss defense. So I'm concerned about that for Ole Miss. And especially if they can, you know, if, if the third down disparity is going to be as big as it looks like on paper, Jackson Dart has been very poor on third down this year, converting those passes. Not all of it's been his fault. Definitely last week there were a couple drops and opportunities to convert, but overall on offense, they're converting just 36% of the time. Georgia converts 55, shout out Sammy Hagar, 55% of the time. Unreal. That That's unheard of. That's NCAA 14 numbers on offense. So that's going to tell the story. If Ole Miss can find a way to stay on the field, they're going to be fine, and they're going to put up some points on Georgia. We've seen Georgia be vulnerable at times. Missouri was able to move the ball. Auburn was able to move the ball. But if they cannot stay on the field, it's going to be a long, long afternoon or uh, evening for them in Athens. And Georgia's just going to do what Georgia does. They're going to slow cook them. Garrett, it feels like if Ole Miss has a chance to compete in this game, let alone win, Quinshawn Juggins, who had a very nice week last week against Texas A&M, he's going to have to really step it up. No, for sure. It's your best player, Quinshawn Jenkins, and you have to be able to, you know, use your best players in these big spots. That was something I was, you know, planning on highlighting coming into this one. Guys, when they played Alabama and lost their only game of the season, Quinshawn Judkins got 13 carries. He's a little bit banged up, wasn't quite 100%, but he got, what, 14 total touches. He had one catch. That's not good enough for your best player. And as the season's gone on and, and against some really solid, you know, defensive units, Quinshawn Jenkins has had a pretty good season. He's he's kind of been coming back. He's kind of finding form. And he had a great game against an Aggie defense last week that, look, that for whatever you want to say about AM, stopping the run was not one of their problems up until they played Quinshawn Jenkins. And so, you know, I don't want to hear, you know, oh, it's Georgia, so they're just so much better than anyone else they've played. There's no chance. Ole Miss absolutely has a puncher's chance in this game. Quinshawn Jenkins, if he does his thing, can go off and have a great game, keep Ole Miss in this game for the majority of the uh, of the time. And, and look, Jackson Dart, he's got his problems. He's been up and down. But the things that travel best are going to be your defense and are going to be your run game. Well, for Ole Miss, you don't have a defense, so you're not factoring that in in the first place. But your run game can travel. And, and I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to try to take the air out of the ball a little bit. I think they're going to try to play a little bit of physical with Georgia. I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to run like a slow tempo offense, but I think they're going to run the ball somewhat effectively. So I, I think that Ole Miss can keep this one close. So I, I don't think that this is as big of a as big of a laydown game for for Ole Miss or for Georgia as you could possibly think, just looking at the numbers on on face value. Uh, Ole Miss still technically has a chance at the SEC West. They need help, and they certainly have to win this game. You know. You could say the same about Lane Kiffin that we said about James Franklin that we accidentally said about Jimbo Fisher. He he d- kind of folds like a cheap table in the biggest games. And, and listen, Ole Miss is not built uh, like the Georgias, like the Alabamas. They've certainly competed year to year and, and are always good for an upset. But 
it just doesn't feel like this Georgia team is in the mood to mess around. Certainly not at home. They're the more physical team. They're the more talented team. We move into our picks here, and and I'm not concerned about who's winning this game, at least on paper. I'm concerned about that number, the 11 and a half. Garrett, Trey and I are rolling with the dogs at home. You are going to roll with the lane train. Explain why. They've kept it you know, pretty competitive in a lot of these big games. They, they've only lost one so far. Yes, it was to Bama. Yes, it was on the road. Yes, they lost by two touchdowns. But like I said, they didn't have a fully healthy Quinshawn, and, and I don't think they really knew their identity at the time. Since then, they've won some really big games. They've put up a lot of points. I just don't think this is an Ole Miss team that rolls over and loses by 10. I, I don't think that's what they are. I think they'll lose the game. I, I do think that they'll end up losing to Georgia. I don't think they go in there and surprise them and shock the world. But I think they'll lose by maybe a touchdown or so and and be in this game late and maybe watch a, a late interception from Jackson Dart or not quite converting on a fourth down or something like that just to keep them competitive. Uh, look, uh, are they going to maybe get flamed by 20 just because I'm saying that and then, you know, I'm going to have to eat crow on this? Yeah, maybe. But I just kind of believe that they can put up points. They put up points pretty much all year long, and I think they'll keep it going against Georgia as well. Trey, you've been re- you've been remarkably polite to Lane. Any any shots here as we get ready to move on? No shot. He he's earned me shutting up a little bit. I think I might take a victory lap if this one's how I think it turns out. But sure. you know the victory, you know the cover recipe, and maybe even the victory re- recipe for Ole Miss is certainly the Auburn recipe, where they were able to find a way. Whatever Auburn found schematically, really worked. And it, it was that combined with taking getting a couple takeaways, as Garrett said. Yep. If they can find that, then they're going to be right in this game. I just don't think that Georgia's the same team that played Auburn. They've grown throughout the year. They kind of fell asleep a little bit against Mizzou last week, and Mizzou you know, put some pressure on them. But talent won out in the end, and I think the same thing happens this week. Let's go out west to the Pac-12, our final big three. And we've got the fifth-ranked Washington Huskies just on the outside looking in on the playoff against the 18th-ranked Utah Utes. Uh, This is a 2.30 kick on Fox. Fox is a great channel to watch some early football, at least in the first two windows. Uh, The Huskies, nine-and-a-half-point favorites as of this recording. Guys, uh, Washington got after USC a week ago. They got Alex Grinch fired. Hooray, I didn't get to react to that in real time, but finally someone at USC took a dose of common sense. Gary, um, you still have the banner? Can we can we run that one more time? <laughs> uh, while he looks for that, Dylan Johnson, the man of the hour last week, 26 carries, 256 hey. yards, <laughs> four touchdowns. If you're on the YouTube side, we're celebrating Alex Grinch getting fired at USC. Um, I... This might be Washington's biggest test outside of Oregon. Not because Utah is going to be able to hang with them, I don't think, if this gets into a shootout, but mostly because Washington has struggled at inexplicable times against some not very good defenses. And now, statistically, they're playing one of the best defenses in the entire country. Is nine and a half too big of a number for you guys? It certainly could be. I think that Washington exercised a lot of demons last week, personally, against against USC. They've definitely fallen asleep against some lowly opponents, but when they 
have played bigger competition, they have been, you know, lights out. So I think that this, this game certainly has their attention, obviously, you know, going, uh, coming home after a big win, they're not going to look ahead next week because I know they have Oregon state, another ranked team, but Utah has their full attention this week. And that defense has their full attention as well. I'm concerned about the athleticism of Utah. You know, like you, we highlighted right here in our X's and O's, Utah secondary has to be great. And we've seen them a couple times this year falter in these more athletic games. Like even, you know, thinking back to the original, the uh, first week of the season against Florida, I know Florida didn't move the ball, but their athletes gave them problems. Uh, Baylor had some athletes that gave them problems. USC, uh, I know they're a whole whole different animal, but, um, you know, still putting up 32 points. I think Washington's athletes are going to give Utah problems. And um, I just don't know that Utah, even though their offenses look better recently um, against USC and against Arizona State, I don't know that Utah has the horses to keep up when Washington is humming. So for that reason, I'm going to lean towards Washington in this one. Yeah, I, I want to put a little bit of pause on this one because Washington, they've they've looked better on offense the last couple of weeks, um, both, you know, on the road, obviously, USC, and then they played, I guess, Stanford scored 42 as well. That Arizona State game a couple of weeks ago, they only scored 15, yeah. and I think that was a defensive touchdown in that game that ended up one of so Yeah, it, it, it was just a very bizarre game to watch super late at night while I was editing the podcast, but um it's it's very very bizarre to think about what's going on at this offense just because it feels like they started the year slinging it around and they've really struggled to find that rhythm again they found it last week running the football it was running the football that got them back on track last week yeah guys the utah utes give up 81 yards per game on the ground that's pretty dang good that's a great defensive unit so Put me in the camp of I don't think Washington's going to run the ball very well this week. So this is really going to be on the arm of Mike Penix Jr. To, to figure this thing out and move this offense ahead. This is going to be the big moment for him. If he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, this is his Heisman moment right here. He's got he's to have a huge game, right? I, I don't think that there's going to be much going for him on the ground. And, and guys, if he's going to have that big game, I think they're going to be able to put it away. I'm just a little bit nervous that it's not going to quite be a hundred percent and that the offense isn't going to quite be humming and that Utah is going to be able to mess around like they did with USC kind of shut down a high powered offense and just kind of put play a little bit of weird football on the road where they're running the ball. They find a little lightning in the bottle. You know, we highlighted Jaquin and Jackson as a running back to watch here. Mm -hmm. If he gets going, he's almost impossible to stop on the ground. And, and I haven't necessarily been impressed with Washington's defense relative to other top teams. You. So. So I, I look, guys, it, this is a dangerous spot for Washington. It's a big prove it moment for them. I think that nine and a half is a little bit too much for me. I came into this season telling you don't sleep on the Washington defense, and I've been partly right. They've been able to make big plays. They've been able to get stops when they need to, but in totality, they're still giving up a lot of yards. They're 103rd in the country in total defense right now, which as I check my notes, does not seem like all that elite, right? It's, it's, honestly, <laughs> it's honestly super impressive. It's, it's all that much more impressive that Washington is in the position that they are undefeated on the cusp of a playoff berth, which would be the second in program history with a defense. That's not even in the top 100. Think about that. 
and, and so for that, as we kind of move into these these final three picks here, I'm going to go with Utah plus the nine and a half. Listen, does Utah's offense scare me? No, but for all the reasons that Garrett said, I don't know that Dylan Johnson can explode the way that he did last week against a porous USC defense. Uh, I do think Michael Penix is going to have to step up. I think he's going to have to make those plays, and I think he will. I just think Utah's going to be get, be able to get enough to where it makes me curious if they can hold on to this number. I've got a feeling that Utah keeps it closer than nine and a half, so I'm going to ride with the Utes. Washington wins, but uh, just just a few too many points for me. It's a big number for sure, and I think – Utah is a different animal in the month of November. I think we can all agree that they are a November, December team. But I I just keep going back to, I don't know who covers Rome. I don't know who covers these receivers. I We just have seen a few times this year, big athletic receivers, fast receivers give Utah problems this year. So I think you, Washington, I think this is a great game, first of all. I think it's going to be a close back and forth game. Washington pulls away late somewhere in the – uh, 34, 21 range, 34, 17 range for me. Yeah. I, I think Utah keeps this really close. I'm going to put Washington on upset alert here. Um, I, I think there's a real chance Utah wins this game. I almost picked them out right now. I know that I love my Utes. I'm certainly going to be cheering for them because I mean, it's my Utes, right? I can't turn my back on them now, but look, if you go on the road and you run the ball, you take the crowd out of it a little bit early and you, you, find a way to hang around and you get the offense out of rhythm. I think that's the the model for Washington to lose this game. And I just think that Utah's right there. I think that this is the best team that they've played that runs that model of offense, right? They're not going to make some of the mistakes Oregon made when they beat them. Um, they're not going to be, you know, pushing for it on fourth down and really trying and trying to go back and forth in a shootout. They're going to try to keep Michael Penix Jr. off the field. Um, and they're going to try to keep him on the sidelines. And I think it's going to more or less work um, how this one ends up. I still think Washington is talented enough to win this game and they should win this game, but put them on upset alert and let's, you know, maybe, maybe Utah doesn't make the championship game this year, but they're just here to ruin all those championship game aspirations for everybody else in the conference. Well, on that note, just real quick, and you guys can answer this just yes or no, if you want, because I know we need to move on. If Utah wins this game, is the Pac-12 out of the playoff? Ooh. Uh, no, I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm going to say Oregon still has a chance, but it's Oregon has looked Oregon. good enough against enough teams that I think if Oregon wins out in some big ways, like if they stomp all over USC and if they beat up on Oregon State and they just look really good on the way out, I still think I test will get them there. But it's close. Okay. It's it is definitely, close. Yeah. Definitely just close. Food for thought. Food for thought. Yeah. Uh, answer that food for thought twitter instagram youtube let us know if uh washington does lose this is a pac-12 out of the playoff definitely let us know uh what your take is there guys let's move into our best of the rest storylines for a loaded week in college football uh first of all we stay out west we've been talking about oregon let's cover them now they host usc guys oregon doesn't care who your defensive coordinator is or who it isn't, even in the wake of Alex Grinch being fired, I think the Ducks are going to roll against USC. Trey, you talked about it in the ledger. You're expecting all the points this weekend. I'm expecting Dan Laning and company to show no mercy, Cobra Kai style, sweep the leg. 
they're going to try to put up as many points as possible, make a statement. And, you know, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon puts up 56 points in this game. That's what I said on the ledger. I took the over at 73 and a half because I don't think Oregon shows mercy. I think they win this game going away. I think USC is ready to say one, two, three Cancun by the end of the second quarter. Yeah, I think, Trey, you're pretty much on the right track here. I just I, I like the over pick there. But I don't think it has much to do with USC. I think this is a really, really good Oregon defense. Um, and I think they're going to be able to more or less limit what Caleb Williams is able to do. There's just something that a couple of these games in a row will do to you and to your psyche, right? There's something that if you lose a couple and if you just kind of get beat down in a couple of games straight or you don't quite win by a big number for a couple of games straight, it kind of messes with your psyche. Not a good place to be, I, I believe, on the road in this case. Um, yeah, not a great place to be um on the road and trying to win one of these games and and you know figuring out you know how do we get back on track how do I get that momentum back how do I get everything back in the right spot against a really good defense like Oregon um I I think Oregon's going to score plenty of points and I don't I don't think USC has a great week it will be interesting to see though is it better for you to have Alex Grinch as your defensive coordinator or somebody else anybody else on one week of practice the latter a hundred percent okay <laughs> maybe i guess i don't know i would feel better with one of y'all calling defensive plays than i would uh alex engage Grinch. eight every time take, take that however <laughs> you will uh trey let me turn the question around to you call your shot you know listen oregon with an impressive showing against usc uh, a win uh, in this scenario over oregon state to finish out their season in the platypus cup and then obviously they'd have to go on to win the Pac-12 championship game, but call your shot. Does Oregon make the playoff in 2023? No, because my Washington Huskies are going to make it, man. My Washington Huskies, I'm rolling with my preseason pick. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to toot my own horn a little bit. There's a good chance sure. I go four for four on the playoff, and I'm just going to roll with that. So it's mathematically impossible. But Oregon has a great chance. But, but okay, so they have a great chance. Get me to the playoff. Are you are you just dead set on Oregon and Washington right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think the winner of that Pac-12 championship has a great chance. I'm concerned if that's not the matchup. Obviously, if Washington's in there, that means they're undefeated. Yeah. And, you know, they haven't slipped up again. But I... I don't know. Like I, I'm concerned about the perception of the Pac-12, even in one of their best years. We've just seen that be bit in the we've seen that bite them before, time and time again, when the Pac-12 just gets left at the altar at the end. So with that wild card, I think that's why I'm a little concerned, both about Oregon and Washington. If Washington slips up, I think they're on thin ice too. It's a fair take. We've watched it happen before. The Pac-12 and the Big 12, man, they just find ways to not be in the college football playoff, which is uh which and is it certainly unfortunate. Them. It hurts them that there's a legit ACC team this year too. Like that's just one more team not competing for that. Yeah, right? not in yeah. Clemson, right? Yeah, there's no Clemson fatigue to talk about, and Florida State has an inside track to going undefeated. Yes, they do. Yeah, and avoiding Louisville uh, before the ACC championship game—an absolute godsend for FSU. All right, all three boys on the Oregon Ducks to win this week. USC can pack it up. We'll see you in 2024. Uh, let's go to the Bluegrass State, where we wonder, is there a sleepy morning on hand in Lexington? Trey certainly doesn't think so. Alabama 
is 10 and a half point favorites. They rolled by LSU. Can they roll by the cats on the road? Trey, we know your take. Garrett, I'm interested in what you have to say. Kentucky has been kind of a mystery bag this this year, but if they've looked good, they've looked good at home. Are the tied in for a trap game this weekend? If you'd asked me this question a couple of weeks ago, I'd have said, for sure, this is a problem because Alabama still doesn't have that good of a quarterback. They don't know what their identity is on offense. They don't know what's going on. Unfortunately, for the rest of the country, Alabama kind of figured out what it wants to do on offense, and that is a problem for the rest of college football pretty much for the rest of the year because I think you have to put everybody else on Alabama watch now. When Nick Saban knows what he wants to do, and when Nick Saban has a game plan that he can work within, he's dangerous. And if the game plan now is just quarterback runs and just dominating the run game and hitting some play action and some deep shots, and and if Jalen Milrow has figured out how to do that effectively, uh, it we could be looking at the Crimson Tide raising another trophy at the end of the season. And so I don't think this is a sleepy morning for anybody except maybe Kentucky. Uh, and I think Bama's going to win this one huge. I nearly said, let me take the Cats. A good, not a great defense at home, plus when they're clicking, a great running game. That's typically a recipe for success, but you're right. Uh, Jalen Milrow has figured it out. Heck, we got to give Tommy Reese a little bit of credit too. I have not wanted to give him any credit. I still don't think he's that great of an offensive coordinator, but whatever they've figured out, is working right now for the Tide. And this Alabama team has that momentum. They have the belief. And they've got Nick Saban coaching that that ball team. Uh, I'm going to roll with the Tide as well in this one. Alabama makes another statement en route to an SEC West crown and a date with the Bulldogs in Atlanta. Not talking about a conference champion here. Not talking about a playoff hopeful. Guys, we are talking about bowl eligibility on the line in Lincoln, Nebraska, just like we all assumed at the beginning of this season. Uh, we were talking, of course, about Nebraska and Maryland in a Big Ten action on Saturday. We have to give Nebraska at least a little bit of credit. Last week's car wreck aside against Michigan State, uh, we thought that Matt Rule was going to strip this down to the studs. We thought three, maybe four wins were on the cards for the Huskers. And now with a win over a seemingly broken Maryland Terrapins team, they would reach the promised land that is bowl eligibility. Maryland is two-point favorites in this one. But uh, Garrett, your Turtles, they've uh, they've hit some road bumps in the past couple of weeks. Can they get it done against the Huskers and Matt Rule this weekend? Look, if I know one thing, it's to dance with the turtles that brought you. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my turtles, even though yes, you did break them all those weeks ago. No, I'm just kidding. I, I can't keep all blaming right. this on you, Mitch. I can't. I just have to come to an acceptance point that maybe Maryland and my turtles were just destined to break at some point. No, guys, this is a lot of people are gonna blame Talia on this one, and they're gonna say that it's because he keeps throwing picks and everything else. He's only thrown yeah. one pick per game the last couple of weeks. Like it's, it's not like he's throwing loads of interceptions it, at least it's not the narrative. The narrative should be the fact that Maryland hasn't ran for a hundred yards in four straight weeks. That's somewhat excusable if you're playing Penn state, but when you're playing teams like Northwestern, you got to find a way to run the football. You got to get Roman Hemby and those guys going. And, and when you can't, you're putting way too much in your quarterback to just be a gunslinger. And when Talia is a gunslinger, sometimes it works out great. And sometimes you lose games. 
and it's it's <laughs> kind of ugly. So I'm not going to put this all on Talia. They got to find a way to run the football. Um, I'm going to just believe that they do it against Nebraska for no reason but just pure faith and belief. Um, and I'm going to say that Maryland wins this game, kind of gets back on track, finishes up the season somewhat strong, if not disappointing for me. Yeah, it's just been such a sad fall for Maryland after starting so hot, but we've just seen that a lot. And this is a something has to give game. Nebraska has not beaten a team from the East in quite some time. Maryland has not beaten a team from the West this season in, in a couple of tries. So something has to give game. Give me the home team. I think Nebraska gets bowl eligible this week. I'm riding with the Huskers as well. I want to believe, man. I want to give those poor, poor people from Lincoln something to be happy about because it sure hasn't been football over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, I, I just think Maryland, Maryland to me, as long as Jeff Sims isn't fumbling the football away, Maryland has more ways to lose this than Nebraska does, and I want to roll with the home team. I think there, there's it's going to be a special atmosphere Saturday. Uh, so close to bowl eligibility. They haven't been to a bowl game in what, since 2014 or something like that? It's been, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Someone might need to check my math on that. But it has been a good second uh, since Nebraska went to the postseason. Um, side note, maybe a storyline for a different day. I saw this tweeted. What if Scott Frost became the offensive coordinator for Iowa? How amazing that would be for the favored son to become the ultimate villain in uh, the well, the new look Big Twelve or Big Ten. That would uh, that would certainly be a storyline I'd like to sign up to see. Anyway, two of us rolling with the Corn Huskers. Garrett's going to hold down the fort for the Turtles. We go to another game in the ACC where I think we are all at least rooting for one side. I don't think there's going to be a divided house here. In the show, Doc, the title for this is Today We Are All Yellow Jackets. Georgia Tech on the road at Clemson. Listen, Clemson is 14.5-point favorites. They got off the schneid last week. They beat Notre Dame in a game that nobody saw coming. And yet I want to believe that Georgia Tech provides some sort of unique challenge. Haynes King is just something that Davo's never seen before, and the Jackets are at least going to keep this close. Trey, you've been the one that has stood stood off from afar and watched the rambling wreck kind of bounce their way to five wins. It's a little sickening to think, had we just beaten Bowling Green, we'd be there by now. Uh, which side of the fence of this 14.5 number are you falling on? It's Clemson looked really good last week. Clemson looked like they finally put it together, but... Georgia Tech is here to wreck some souls, y'all. I'm taking them to cover. I don't think they get the win. I'm not going to go as far as to say that they win outright. If you look at the game log, it's been very ugly for the Yellow Jackets against the Clemson Tigers for quite some time. So I'm not going to say that they win. I'm a little worried about it. Even a bad Clemson team beat them (laughs) 41-10 last year. But, um, you know, I I, I don't think that they're going to win this game outright. But I do think they cover... Clemson's allergic to putting teams away other than Notre Dame last week. So I think Georgia Tech hangs around, makes it an interesting game. And is this one on the CW? What what network is this one on? Uh, that is an excellent question. It it's is on the ABC. CW, I'm taking Georgia no. Tech outright. No, it's on ABC. So okay, no, Clemson Clemson's wins. probably safe. Yeah. Yeah. Look, Trey, you're talking about the past. Okay. Jeff Collins has lost to Clemson. Okay. 
Brent Key has never lost to Clemson. I want to point that out again. This is a new era of Georgia Tech football. Guys, Georgia Tech, you might be surprised to find this out, has rushed for over 300 yards in each of their last two games. The game before that, they rushed for like 248. I'm going to go ahead and make my declarative statement. I'm calling my shot from all the way downtown. Georgia Tech goes bowling this week. They're just going to find a way. I just have to believe in it. Haynes King is going to outrun somebody to the end zone. It's, it's going to be the rushing attack all game long. They're going to, you know, Clemson's not going to handle their success well from last week because I don't believe in Dabo Sweeney's ability to handle success this year. And guys, it's it's just going to be that way. It's going to be that way. Just believe in something. Georgia Tech, you're going bowling this weekend. You're going to continue to go. And and, and then you can cap it off with the they, they play Syracuse. You can get to seven. Can we talk about a seven-win sure. possibility here? I we, love this. Come on, Georgia Tech. Do it. We, we absolutely can have that discussion. Uh, I want to ride that that high with you. I want to jump on, in the backseat of the rambling wreck. Clemson at home is just a different animal, though. Uh, and so I don't think I can go as far as picking Georgia Tech to win outright. I do have to point out, Georgia Tech currently sits at third in the ACC. Uh, that's how jumbled this conference is this season. But at five and four overall and four and two in conference, they sit above Duke, North Carolina, NC State, Miami, and Clemson. That is just a shocking, shocking number. Believe to in me. something. Uh, I'm going to believe in the cover. I'm going to believe in a close okay. competitive game. But Clemson, I think they're rushing attack at home. They they find a way to eke it out. I think this is a very competitive game. This is one well, that you're flipping back to all morning long. Well, dude, Mitch, as we're, as we're rambling past your house, I can try to get us to slow down so you can hop on, you know, after after we win this one. But I, I can't make any promises, man. The, the rambling reg's going to keep rambling, I- man. I have I, I get some credit for this for Colin Ball eligible. Now we got to get there. We we're not there. there. We we got to get there. We we officially they get chickens before they've hatched or something. Some, <laughs> however that thing goes, I don't know. We have you to, can count uh, them when Syracuse is one of your chickens. We have to walk through the door to ball eligibility, and and darn it, they refused entry the first time with with Bowling Green just taking them to task. Um. But I do think they get there. I think six and six is the most likely outcome. Uh, more, close game, close game in Death Valley. One more thing about this series, if I might add, really quickly, just a friendly reminder that college football is a hundred and fifty year old sport, not just the last decade. Georgia Tech leads this series fifty to thirty five, and that's including <laughs> a current. You're dang right. That's including a current eight game win streak for uh, Clemson. So at one time, they this. This was fifty to twenty-seven at one time. Come I on. mean, Georgia Tech used to have a very right. competitive team. Clemson's not been good for that long. In, That's right. In, the, in you know the grand scheme of things, so, it's a friendly reminder that this, yeah. the things are cyclical, and that that is a great reminder. Is it time to cycle back. I'd sign up for that. Let's, uh, let's go to the Pac-12. One team has all the stock up. One team has all the stock down. I'm talking about Arizona at. Colorado, Arizona has beaten Oregon State. They ruined UCLA's Pac-12 championship hopes as well. And they're looking to take down, at least in the media, another big dog this week in Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. Now, Colorado at home. Arizona's a different animal at home versus on the road. 
And yet I still find myself being willing to bet Jed Fish no matter what the point spread is. How say you guys? Um, you know, I'm looking up my research right now on the fly, so I'm gonna do some live radio here. But it feels like Colorado's been better at home as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. They've definitely played games closer. I'm thinking to the USC game specifically. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think Colorado covers this game. I'm gonna come out and you know, just make that stand right now. They are <laughs> Five, three, and one against the spread this year at home. I'm trying to do again some math really quickly. They have been even better. So I, I'm going to say that they cover this spread at home. They find a way. And uh, I don't think they went out right. I think Arizona has been fantastic this year and continues their push to have more wins than USC. That's my favorite storyline to follow right now. <laughs> it's a fantastic storyline. Guys, I don't know if you know this. Uh, Arizona has the better scoring offense between the two teams. And sure. so that's kind of a fun one to throw out there is, yeah, Arizona's got the better offense in this game, technically speaking. Um, and it's not even close on the defensive side. If you look at the scoring numbers right now on the defensive side, Arizona, shout out to you guys, 28th in scoring defense. And if you look at Colorado, it is not 28th. It is it's 120th. It is much further down the list in scoring okay. defense. This is all Arizona. Give, give me Arizona minus whatever they want right now. Love the attack right now for Arizona. Love how they're doing it through the air to Troy McMillan, Jacob Callingham. I keep saying their names. A couple of studs out there out wide. And uh, it doesn't matter who's throwing on the ball. They're going to get it done. This Arizona team in their last five, they lost to a top five Washington team by seven. They lost to USC 43-41 in triple overtime. They then rebounded and beat three straight-ranked opponents in Washington State, Oregon State, UCLA, systematically knocking each and every one of them out of contention for the Pac-12 title. They held Washington State to six points. They held UCLA to 10 points and beat Oregon State in an absolute classic, holding the Beavers to 24 points. We've seen if Colorado can't win a game in a shootout, or at least somewhat of a shootout, they're not winning the football game. I Take Arizona State and shove that result. Uh, 27-24 isn't impressing anybody. Colorado has last, lost four of their last five, and they've been very unimpressive, uninspiring efforts from this Buffaloes team. Home or away, it doesn't matter right now. That defense is atrocious. Give me the better football team by quite some margin. I'll take Arizona to cover the 10.5-point spread. Jed Fish, man, one of the unsung heroes of college football. He's going to shove Dion in a locker this week. And uh, we're going to be talking about Arizona having quite the momentum going into Big 12 membership next season. This is a Wildcats team that could push for a conference championship game in their first year. That's a storyline we'll have to track next season but boy they've been a lot of fun to watch back over to the sec and we go to the sec east where we've got a battle for second place in the division mizzou's revenge is what we're titling this game number 22 tennessee at number 12 missouri both teams are seven and two they're three and two in the sec listen this game is to finish as the bride's maid never the bride to the university of georgia think we can accept that but the win for this game is monumental for whichever program comes out on top 
Missouri certainly seems like they're headed in the right direction. For Tennessee, it feels like you win this game. You expected to win it at the beginning of the year. You lose it, and you're much farther behind the eight ball, much farther down the path to a playoff contender than Vols fans wanted to admit. Tennessee is currently a one-point favorite or one-and-a-half-point favorite, depending on where you look. Does Vegas have the wrong team favored? Trey, let's start with you. I I think Mizzou wins this game outright. I picked them as part of a parlay in the ledger. They're at home. They've been really, really good at home this year. Uh, you know, the LSU game notwithstanding, they've been really, really good at home. And I don't know who covers Luther Burden for Tennessee. I feel like that's what it comes down to in a lot of Missouri games. And, you know, LSU had just enough firepower to overcome that when they beat Missouri. Georgia had enough talent to overcome that eventually last week. But who's going to cover Luther Burden for Tennessee? Like, if you can answer that question for me, I might change my mind. But I don't, I just trust Mizzou to scheme their best guys open and create a lot of problems for Tennessee. So I think they win this one outright at home. Uh, I will say on the Luther Burden note, the pure, the person who might be covering him is the athletic trainer. Cause I think is, have we seen news if he's playing this he one? Is, I know he got a little banged up. questionable for this game. So that's, I saw, that's I saw that he's going to, he's going to be more likely than not to play, but that could change. Sure. Yeah. And, and if he can go, he's going to go because he's, yeah. he's a baller. He's going to do his thing. He's going to put his team in a position to win. That's what you do. I, I, I went kind of back and forth on this one. It's real tight here. Tennessee's the much better team on the ground. They they do much better on both lines of scrimmage. I just kind of think that Missouri has the storyline going for them right now. I think that they've got a little bit more belief in the team. Um, and I think coming off the Georgia loss, they played a lot more intense. I think they're going to keep the intensity going. I'm going to pick Mizzou to win this one as well. Missouri looks very good in a loss last week. Much more impressive, honestly, than I think at the end of the preview last week, we expected out of them. Now, we expected somewhat of a game, but we all kind of decided, no, Missouri doesn't have the formula to beat Georgia this year. And then, gosh darn it, they kind of almost did. Uh, second Those year win expectancy was 57% for Mizzou last week. Yeah, yeah. So I love the direction this Missouri team is is headed. They're recruiting really, really well. It seems like they're going to keep the momentum going. Uh, they win at home. They win at Farrow Field. I think they continue that uh, that storyline, that trajectory as well. Tennessee just doesn't feel like they have it this year. They don't feel like they're special in really any capacity. I know they've got a great pass rush. They've been very solid on the ground. But Missouri at home, they've just been a different animal. So let's... Let's roll with the Tigers in that one. Uh, Big 12 championship implications on the line when Oklahoma State tees it up against Central Florida. UCF got their first conference win in program history last week against a hapless Cincinnati team, and they almost lost that game. Oklahoma State, on the other hand, claims forever bragging rights over Oklahoma by winning the last scheduled bedlam. Their defense looked really solid. The offense was humming at times. Ollie Gordon was banged up for much of that game. It was hard for him to consistently get it going. I will say, if Oklahoma State is going to make it to the Big 12 championship game, a round of applause for Gundy and company. It felt like they were dead in the water as a not just a a season, but a program. And they have rallied from the depths to now be three wins away from going back to Arlington and taking on the Texas Longhorns, we assume. They've got to get through three newcomers to the Big 12 
Is the bounce house a trap game for Oklahoma State? Garrett, let's start with you. No chance. There's no chance. I, I think that this is too much, you know, high riding for Oklahoma State right now. They're they're loving the way they're feeling. Like I said last week, the way that they left that game with the, with some of the the showboating on the field that they played should have been a cowboy. They played. We're never getting back together. They they're just they're feeling too good in Stillwater. Um, and that team is absolutely riding high. They carried Ollie Gordon off the field. Um, and, and it's funny you say that he, he was a little bit banged up. He put out his highest rushing total still uh, of the number of carries. He carried the ball 33 times in that game. Only got 138, and it's stupid to say only got 138 mm-hmm. because that's an awesome number for anybody ever in a, a D1 football game. But, look, uh, I think I saw a graphic where he's outpacing where Derrick Henry was in his Heisman season to this wow. point in the season uh, in terms of, like, rushing yards. I don't think he quite has the touchdowns, but – he, he's outpacing his rushing numbers right now. So um, shout out Ollie Gordon. Let the Heisman campaign continue. Tease up Oklahoma State. Uh, give me Oklahoma State minus whatever number you want to. Minus two and a half, easy enough. Yeah, it just seems like UCF has run out of gas as well. Their best win this year is a four and five Boise State team. I UCF is plucky. They can definitely make some noise at home. It, when you talk about a letdown spot, what is Oklahoma? You definitely, there's the letdown element, but. There's no look ahead element, right? Like you see, they, they have everything in front of them. I trust Mike Gundy to keep his team focused in a situation like this. He's proven time and time again that he can do that. And what are they going to look forward to four weeks from now, the big 12 championship game? Like they just don't have like a huge opponent on deck after UCF. So I think they're fine. Um, I'm going to take Oklahoma state by uh, probably 10 to 14 points in this one. Yeah, same. I made Oklahoma state one of my ledger picks. Uh, the Cowpokes will will ride in this game, and uh, I think they get ready to waltz into Arlington as well. All right, let's race through these last three. We've got some quick hitters as well. How low can the under go? Rutgers at Iowa, the over-under, as of actually hitting record, is down to 28 even. It was 28 and a half when I put this together. Is the lowest under, I believe, in Division One FBS history. Iowa is a two-point favorite against Rutgers, a Rutgers team that at one point was beating the number one ranked team in the country at uh, at the half. They were up nine to seven. Can Rutgers score enough points to threaten the over in this one? It kind of seems like the Scarlet Knights might have to carry carry the point total here if we're going to get there. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I, I just don't know that they can have the firepower to overcome the Iowa defense. I think the Iowa defense yeah. is the best unit in this game. So I'm taking the under. They they can make it, like I said on the ledger, they can make it a lot lower than that. And I could, would still take it three weeks in a row. They haven't even hit 20 over 21. So uh, yeah, I'm taking the under in this one. The, the insinuation on the numbers here is that this game finishes what, like 15 to 13. That's the insinuation. I just have to believe in more than that. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I just I can't believe that in the year of our Lord 2023, 28 as a set over under can possibly hit the under. I can't believe that. Now I know what you're saying that Iowa is just crushing these unders. They're they're not even close, but they can't keep getting away with this. Rutgers averages 26 points a game. They'll get to 20, right? Like they'll get to 20. They can find Will their they? way to 20. Well, they, they can do that. Rutgers, I'm pulling it up right now. The last time that they scored 20 
was uh, I guess they put put up 31 against Indiana and Michigan yeah. State. But, you know, I'm thinking against like a formidable defense. 13 against Wisconsin, seven against Michigan, 16 last week against Ohio State. I was up there. Close. Like I, I just have and, to believe in something, and I, I just refuse to believe that 28 is going to go under. I can't believe that. I can't I'll do see, it in my heart. I just can't. I'll see your belief, and I'll raise you 15 to six, 12 to 10, and 10 to yeah. seven. That's the last three Iowa scores. I didn't claim that Iowa was any good. <laughs> I never claimed that. I was honestly more surprised to find out that Iowa is only 120. I think in total scoring, no, it's 121 in scoring offense. I was surprised to find out that they're 12 worse. That yeah. is does seem improbable. I'm gonna say Rutgers wins this game. Uh, I'm gonna say the under hits. I think this is a 13 to 10 kind of action. Uh, it's just a running fest, but neither team really makes their living throwing the ball. Uh, Kyle Monigai was actually left out of um, uh, what is it, the, the Doak Walker award conversation. I saw some some critique uh, at the, the the poll setters, I guess, uh, about that. Monigai has been one of the best stories in college football this season really carrying Rutgers to bowl eligibility. That defense has been sensational. I think this is a very close game, but I think Rutgers is the more complete team. So even though they're at Iowa in Kinnick Stadium, uh, I do think the under hits. I'm going to roll with Rutgers plus the points here. Uh, But yeah, I don't know if we can get to 28 and a half, if I'm being honest. Uh, A team that will get well over the 28 and a half, I think. Oklahoma, 13-point favorites against West Virginia. The Sooners are trying to stop a two-game losing streak. West Virginia is getting all the momentum right now. They're 7-3, and three, guys. Quickly on this one, OU uh, minus the 13. You're taking the nearest to cover at home. Or, I'm sorry, nope. on the road. This is in Norman. It is in Norman. Neil Brown syndrome rides, baby. I'm taking West Virginia to cover. Ooh. Oklahoma might have broken themselves last week. I don't know what else they have to play for this year. I know they still have an outside shot at the conference title, but outside, I, like it's way outside at this point. So I, I don't know. Like there's a lot of heat being turned up on Brent Venable's seat in, o- in Norman. Yeah, it's it's a rough scene. I just have to believe that they're going to be fine. I, I think there's a lot of pretty pissed off people in that Oklahoma locker room right now, and I think that they're going to turn up the heat a little bit and I, I think they'll cover this one pretty nice i think they're gonna go score a whole bunch of points just to kind of prove that it's okay they're gonna take out some anger on west virginia at home and, and i think it's gonna be a tough day for the mountaineers there's no excuse for oklahoma to not win this by 17 points uh at home 10 and 2 is still easily in the cards go get it oklahoma wins this one uh going away and they'll cover that spread at home Battle for Tobacco Road, our last featured game, North Carolina, 14.5-point favorites against the Dukies. This is kind of an elimination game in the ACC. Uh, Of course, we knew both teams would be trailing Georgia Tech by this point in the season, right? We totally had that in the cards. Uh, North Carolina certainly had the more, more explosive offense. Duke has had the better defense. North Carolina at home, who do you like? I like North Carolina in this one. I think Duke. Do we know if Riley Leonard's playing the game? Have we heard? Have we heard anything? I, I do. I do not know. I, I'm going to assume no at this point, just because the injuries seem to be mounting up. But Garrett, you look like you just found something. Uh, I I'm just saying he's played the last couple. It seems like he's not good though. Like he, it, I don't think he's playing he's healthy. Regardless, he's his last two games. Obviously, after leaving the Notre Dame game. 
He left that one early, finished with 134 and 88 on the ground. Um, against Florida State, um, 69 through the air. Uh, he got hurt in that one, too. Yeah, he got, yeah, I think he re injured in that one. And then uh, Louisville, 121 in the air and uh, 13 on the ground again. That's just not his. But he didn't. But he didn't play against Wake Forest last week, right? Uh, I don't. I don't remember. I don't think it. No, I don't. No, think I don't, he I, I don't think he one. did. It was a short week. And well, whether I, he's playing or not, he's not a hundred percent, and yeah. he's not who he was to start the season. Yeah. So I'm going to take North Carolina. Long story short, <laughs> uh, I'm in the same place. It's North Carolina right now, and it's it's a sad story for Duke because I think they put so much really of their is. team on Riley Leonard, and look, they just ran that guy directly into the ground. He's going to be a great pro. I, st- I still think he has a great career ahead of him, um, but I just I think it's tough for for Riley Leonard right now with Duke. So give me North Carolina minus the fourteen and a half. Uh, it'll be it'll be a big win for them. I'm with you there as well. All right, a couple quick hitters, and we'll wrap this up. Wyoming six and three at UNLV seven and two. Two of the heavy hitters in the Mountain West Conference. They are trailing only Fresno State record wise. Good defense. But they're on the road against UNLV that under Barry Odom is a run and Rebs offense that has been humming this season. Who do you like in Vegas? I like the Rebs, man. I, they Quietly, we talked about them last year a little bit, how they almost got to bowl eligibility and then they fired their coach um, yeah. after a surprisingly decent season. But turns out it was a good decision to get Barry Odom in there and, and company. So, uh, yeah, UNLV in this one, they've been one of the – quietly one of the best stories in college football this year. And I think they keep it rolling. Yeah. I'm going to go the other way on this one. I'm going to pick Wyoming. I, I I just think that this is a pretty good defense. I think they'll be able to hold them down a little bit. Um, obviously, you know, be kind of the hot team right now, but I think Wyoming gets it done. I'm going to go with the Rebs as well. Uh, defense certainly travels, but UNLV a chance to get to guys, a chance to get to 10 wins. If it all falls their way, that would be an incredible story. I'll go with the home team as well. I'm going to take the home team in our next game as well. It's a battle of second-place teams in the Sun Belt, 6-3 and three, Coastal Carolina, down to San Marcos to take on the 6-3 and three, Texas State Bobcats. Bowl eligible for the first time in program history. You had the team, the faculty, everybody uh, for the Bobcats jumping in the river last week. Texas State a one-point favorite. I'm going to ride with the rally tridents, guys, giving the Bobcats. Uh, this is two of my favorite Sunbelt programs like pitted against each other. I hate having to pick one. I still love Grayson McCall. I know it hasn't been the same this year, but I think he gets it done on the road. Texas State, a little bit of a hangover from last week. And, literally. Uh, li- maybe literally, yeah. Um, and uh, a little bit too much time on the square, but uh, Coastal Carolina wins this one on the road. Uh, I'm going to agree with Mitch on this one, taking Texas State. Um, I, I I like where they are right now. I think they're going to play a slightly better bowl game uh, because of this win. And and just, you know, let's not stop at six. Let's get up to seven, maybe even eight. Who knows? I need them in the Frisco Bowl or the yeah, that would be ideal. Saunders Bowl so I can go catch them in action this year. Sure. Hey, I'll, I'll be right there. I'll be right there with you if they do. Uh, SEC, Auburn, five and four. They're on the road at Arkansas, who are three and six. It seemed like Sam Pittman maybe saved his job with a win over Florida last week. We'll talk about the Gators in just a second. Does Sam Pittman guarantee himself another season at the helm with a win if Arkansas can somehow get to bowl eligibility? 
Oh, if they get to bowl eligibility, absolutely. That would be a great close because it would include a win over a really good Mizzou team that we just talked about. But um, I think that season, I think that dream dies this week. Auburn's looked really good the last few weeks. I think that they keep it rolling against Arkansas. Yeah, I think I'm kind of there with you, Trey. I just don't really believe in this Arkansas team at all. I think they're kind of dead in the water. And, you know, Auburn, for what it is, they're not a great team this year, but they've got belief and they've got something they're building towards. And so I think I'm going to go with the trend here. Arkansas trending down, Auburn trending up. Let's go with Auburn. Arkansas Arkansas did beat Florida last week, right? They what? Did Florida pull that game out last week? No, no, Arkansas won that game. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, that was a two and six Arkansas team. Yeah. That, that went into Which the game. Florida's Florida really, really good, too. Well, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> give them their due time in a second. <laughs> Arkansas is favored in this game. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites as of recording this. Garrett, your model is never take Auburn as a as a favorite. Now, that didn't exactly work out for you last week, uh, but you got to feel really comfy with them being a road dog. I'm on Auburn as well. I think they get to bowl eligibility. Uh, this week, beat the Hogs and send Arkansas home. Which would be huge early. for them in Hugh Freeze's first year. Like, yeah, huge accomplishment. Yeah, it would. Uh, bowl eligibility was no guarantee when we nope. counted them up at the beginning of this year. Uh, lastly, Florida, the aforementioned pathetic Gators are five and four. Guys, after starting, and I need to check my math, either, what was it, four and two? Is that what they started? Five, it wasn't five and one. Beat uh, Tennessee. Yeah, after a decent start, we'll 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 say that while I look for that game on the schedule. After a decent start, uh, beating Tennessee, uh, yeah, they started five and two. They have now lost to Georgia, got housed, and then they lost thirty nine thirty six to Arkansas at home a week ago. The Gators get number nineteen LSU this week. They get number fourteen Missouri next week, and they get number four Florida State over Thanksgiving weekend. Florida's not going to make a bowl game, are they? Nope. Uh, Jaden Daniels, Jordan Travis, and um, uh, Brady Cook. Brady Cook, thank you. I almost said Connor Cook, but that's way in the past. Uh, (laughs) All three of them are going to make sure that doesn't happen. I don't know how Florida has an answer for any of those three guys. Yeah, man, Connor Cook, man, that's a time gone by. How about that? That's a a reference. Yeah, no, for sure. No, speaking of things that have gone by, how about Jaden Daniels with his amazing season that it seems like nobody's really paying that much attention to? You hear people talk about it, but I don't know how he's not just the Heisman front runner by a mile right now. The defense I, stinks. The defense doesn't win the Heisman trophy. So, yeah, look, I, if you're just looking for most remarkable player right now, how about the guy who's almost got 3,000 yards passing through nine games? Yeah, that this is this is elite stuff we're seeing from Jaden Daniels. I think he keeps it going. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it rocking here. LSU is going to score just infinity points on Florida. Garrett, you're right in a world where the Heisman Trophy is actually given to the best player in college football. But we know this I is a beauty know, contest. I we know. know it goes to the We're going to give it to Jalen Milrow after he wins the SEC, right? I don't know, I mean, man. It's, one loss might be one too many for these voters. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, you might be right. <laughs> We, I think if, think if we figured out anything over the course of this year, it's none of the voters actually watch any football. Um, I just I can't wait for all these boomers to leave, all these boomers on the Heisman committee, all these boomers in the college football playoff committee. Get out of here, right? Let's let's go to the people who are watching football that are like, you know, the the Gen X, the millennials, the the people that are you know still relevant. Just get these boomers out of here, man. Can't Take wait. that, Condoleezza Rice. Yeah, that's right, Condi. <laughs> 
I can't wait till the chairman of the playoff committee asks ESPN to hold up for one second so he can make a TikTok. Boy, that's gonna be that's gonna be the day. Ugh. Um. All right. Well, with that, guys, let's get out of here. Uh, long show. It is a slog through it Saturday, as Trey put it. A lot of championship caliber teams. They have to keep their noses to the grindstone this week against tricky opponents on the road at home. Find a way to win. Get into the top four in the playoff rankings as that starts to narrow down. And guys, after this, just two more weeks in the regular season. I mean that that seems impossible, and yet. We are truly in the stretch run. And yet here we are. It's wrapping up right before our eyes. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. And then again, this is kind of what we work all year for. So anyway, with all that being said, let us know your hot take of the week. Who do you have on upset alert? Uh, which is your lock of the week? Let us know at three tech pod, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can email the show three tech pod at gmail.com. You can leave your comments in the YouTube channel as well. Join at least Trey and I Saturday night for the live show. Garrett's got plans to be elsewhere, but we'll be right here rocking with you in the post game, breaking down Saturday's full slate. And uh, for Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for hanging out until Saturday night. So long, everybody. Gracious. Yeah. How about that?